Welcome, welcome everyone. This is Igly with Equity Breakdown, where you'll find short, no bullshit overviews of public companies. Now, to all the time investors, the race has just started in the commercial electric vehicle space. And today, we will break down the company called Arrival, soon to be ticker symbol ARVL. The company is planning to become public towards the end of Q1 through a reverse merger, aka SPAC, with CIIG Merger Group, currently ticker symbol CIIC. So as always, what you will learn in the Equity Breakdown Report, you have the business summary, market opportunity, strategic resources, key moats and risks, the team DNA and vision, and of course, finally, key insights for you specifically. Download the full report for your keeps anytime you need to. So what is Arrival? Arrival is aiming to revolutionize the electric vehicle industry with the production of commercial electric vans and buses. The company has created in 2015 and personally funded by founder and CEO Dennis Zverdlov to transform the automotive industry. In stealth mode, the company patiently focused on amassing top-tier human capital and building layers of intellectual properties across the manufacturing and service sections of the supply chain. Fundamentally, leadership is focused in creating an ecosystem that transforms the design, assembly, and scale distribution of the electric vehicle industry. Check out this intro video for Arrival as well. Now, jumping into the market opportunity. The share of electric vehicle sales is expanding from 2.7% to 58% by 2040. This movement is accelerated by the advancement of technology, unit economics, climate change commitments from automakers, and rising government policy pressures. Arrival has decided to focus its business strategy within the commercial vehicle space in the EV industry. This focus is driven by two key variables that are impacting commerce, the rise of e-commerce and the willingness of large fleet owners such as UPS, Amazon, or governments to reduce carbon emissions and adopt vehicle electrification. Now, Digital Commerce 360 has reported that e-commerce accounted for 21% of retail sales in 2020 and 37% by 2024, making vans a critical component. Additionally, logistic-based companies, governments, and other corporations have put policies in place to transform their fleets and reduce carbon emissions. The U.S. government has confirmed that they will transition all their fleet to electric. Additionally, cost will play a critical role in the transition of these fleets. So as we realize these trends, Arrival has positioned itself with three key components to lead the commercial vehicle market. New advanced manufacturing of EV vans and and buses, and total cost of ownership, and top-tier user experience and quality. Beyond the passenger vehicle race, the fastest tipping points will be in the commercial vans and public transit such as buses. In the electric commercial vehicle market, Arrival believes that their TAM is $70 billion for vans and $40 billion for buses. But if we expand that and also include the fossil fuel commercial vehicles, now that market is $280 billion for vans and $154 billion for buses. So this is a very rich market indeed with significant potential change and 
you don't have to worry about consumers worrying about whether they have Bluetooth or what color their car is. Now, as we jump in, we are going to break down the strategic resources for this company. So we'll start off with the arrival van. So it's constructed from the ground up with 70% of the material intellectual property owned and controlled by the company, which is pretty important here. So I've broken this out in terms of structural change and economics. So in terms of the structural advantages, the company claims it is lighter, 80% better payload, larger volume of packages. The model also enhances driver experience with space and in-house software. So those are the components for the van. In terms of the economics here, the total cost of ownership is $92,000. So it's about 25 cents per kilometer and 40 cents per mile. Now, this is also 17% cheaper than the comparable diesel van and 28% cheaper than OEM electric vehicles. Now we'll dive into the battery, which is an important component here. Flexible battery pack configuration to adjust to appropriate range required by the customer. So this is important here. So your customer has the ability to put in a variety of different batteries based off of their range needs. So now we'll jump into the arrival bus. That's constructed from the ground up with 40% of the material intellectual property owned and controlled by the company. So the structural advantages there are the lowest gross weight in its class, 60 metric tons, at eight metric ton weighs 40% less in unlatin weight than competition, leading to better range efficiency, and maintains the same passenger capacity as conventional buses, but with greater user experience in terms of space, safety, and security. From an economics perspective, the total cost of ownership is $396,000, which is about $0.43 cents per kilometer and $0.70 cents per mile, and it results in being 47% cheaper than comparable diesel vans and 50% cheaper than the OEM electric vehicle. Now, from a battery perspective, it is also have a uh, flexible battery pack configuration to adjust to appropriate range required for 35 feet, 40 feet, and 45 feet, and the double-decker buses. So all these are adjustable. Currently, the buses have completed about 1,000 kilometers or 620 miles of testing. Now, we'll jump into the third and one of the most fundamental strategic resources this company has, which is the micro factory. The factory is built of a multitude of technology cells. In each cell, you have an autonomous mobile robots that produce the electric vehicle. The vehicle can move dynamically in any order through technology cells with software and autonomous robots. Each micro factory can adjust to build multiple vehicle types. So from structural advantages, we're talking about 20,000 square kilometers or 215,000 square feet, which is 11 times smaller than a traditional OEM factory and with six months expected construction timeline. No paint shop required or any other form of heavy uh, machinery. Existing warehouses can be outfitted. No Tesla-like gigafactories required more specifically here. Now the production rate. 10,000 vans per year or 1,000 buses per year with 250 employees and two shifts on average within these facilities, which is phenomenal. From an economics perspective, we're talking about a 45 to $50 million capital investment with $12 million in operating expenses. This is a 50% reduction in CapEx and OpEx costs relative to comparable automotive factories that exist today. Now there is a low break-even point achieving $100 million a year in gross margin 
per micro factory. And a customer advantage here? Well, design flexibility for customers based on their local environment and close proximity to customers' location. So essentially, you can put this micro factory in existing warehouses and within the proximity that makes more economical sense for the customer. I'd also urge you guys to jump in and check out this video. It's pretty cool in terms of how they break down their micro factory. Now we'll talk about what the company is doing to develop these strategic resources. So at first, they pride themselves on being a technology company. The patent portfolio consists of around 180 innovations filed in patent applications and specifically here, 27 patents granted in the U.S. as reported by IP Query and Crunchbase. 6% of the innovations are concentrated on the composite materials, microfactory and design flow, robotics, and battery-related innovations. And you'll see the breakout here. So specifically from the composite materials, we'll start off with that resource and how they're developing it. So we, we're talking about sheet metals are replaced with proprietary materials that are lightweight and strong and used for internal and external body panels. The structural advantage here, well, the composite materials do not need metal stamping or painting. And the economic factor, 25 times lower tooling costs and does not require frequent repairs and maintenance. I also urge you guys to check out the video that goes in more detail from their lead in the material sciences space, who's also world renowned. Then we'll jump into now the modular components. So we're talking about here the DCDC modules, input output modules, HMI modules, battery modules, and the drive control unit is designed internally while safety systems are outsourced, such as brakes. The internal modules are the most important components regarding electrification here. So the company uses tier two and tier three suppliers to manufacture fill-in components as well. So from a structural advantage, well, components have had two years of road testing. Economics, the tier one supplier development costs are avoided, resulting in 20% cost savings from suppliers. And from a production perspective, well, now new vehicle platforms can be developed in 18 months versus three years. So these are plug-in-play modular components, which speeds up the manufacturing process. Now we'll dive into the modular skateboard. So majority of your EV companies will have a modular skateboard, but they will vary based off of the IPs internally within each of these companies. So the platform here specifically for Arrival creates flexible and automated micro factory assembly for the plug and play components. So the structural advantage, well, it's composed of aluminum structure for strength and can be used across multiple vehicle types. From an economics perspective, we're talking about extrusions, casting, composite panels, and adhesive joining processes are all uh, reducing the cost by eliminating high-wage specialist labor, which comes into the form of welding steel. Now, from a customer advantage perspective, well, the platform allows for different battery pack configurations, which can be adjusted based on needs. We'll finally go into the software architecture here. So the company has designed internal software within the factories in vehicle software and customer facing software, so all three components throughout their particular supply chain. So in terms of the internal software within the factory, it allows for control of automated robots on the air modular component upgrades and support functions in the factory. For the in-vehicle software, it allows for route planning, route status information, and access to vehicle data with API interface. And finally, for the customer-facing software, it provides diagnostic tools to monitor vehicle performance and health. In the portal, you will be able to also schedule predictive maintenance 
And now finally, one of the coolest elements here, which is an acquisition that the company made, involves their autonomous technology. So the company has acquired autonomous technology that it deploys through its Robocar vehicle in a racing environment. So Arrival is developing software with algorithms that drive the autonomous race car and hardware regarding the sensors and vehicle to create a closed loop integration. The system can be deployed in racing and more importantly, in their products in the public streets, such as the buses and vans and the small vehicles that they're planning to launch in the future for uh, those particular purposes. I urge you also to check out uh, this cool video about Arrival's autonomous robocar. So these guys not are only uh, pioneering the public street uh, component of buses, vans, and small vehicles, but who knows? Maybe the future of F1 and the uh, formula in the future will be uh, electric instead of uh, their current situation. So why not also play in that space? And finally, uh, we'll dive in to understand the research and development investments here. So in 2020, the company is projected to spend $25 million. And by 2024, they're estimated to spend around $237 million specifically for R&D, which at that point will be about 20% of their revenue. So I urge you also to look into their R&D. You get an inside look uh, based off the video that they created, and they walk you through that entire process. Um, high level, of course, but gives you a perspective. So it's important to note here that I love companies that spend R&D because in my opinion, R&D is not an expense, but it is an investment that generates revenue if done the right way. Now, we'll jump in and identify the customer landscape uh, plus the partnerships that they put in place. So the company has built some critical relationships to sell its core products and expand its footprint in the industry. The company's relationships are defined in the following groups. So we have UPS. So the customer is committed to purchase 10,000 vans from arrival during 2021 to 2025. They have an opportunity to also purchase an additional 10,000 if needed. So arrival has worked with UPS specifically since 2016 to ensure all cargo efficiency, improve driver experience, and a direct link to UPS systems through arrival software. So Arrival also revealed in their F4 report that 16 customers have shown interest through letters of intent. Additionally, companies in the logistics, grocery, and e-commerce segments in the UK have sent intent of purchase of 3,000 vans and discussions for additional 5,000 vehicles. Additionally, uh, we also have uh, an important partnership here with a traditional auto manufacturer, uh, Hyundai Motor Company and Kia Motors Company. So the, this relationship will involve joint development of vehicles. So HKMC will offer engineering talent and supply chain benefits in return for micro factories and software innovation benefits. The expiration of this venture, of course, is in 2024. An interesting mix here, Apple has also entered here to utilize Kia's plants in the creation of their autonomous vehicle. High speculation here, but who knows? Potential future synergies between all three components. LG Chemical Limited. So the South Korean company is the number one producer of lithium ion batteries in the world. So the companies have built a long-term relationship and partnership here. So of course, this identifies that Rival receives their supply of batteries from LG Chemical, which is a South Korean company. And finally, we're talking about Kumau, which is a uh, Fiat Chrysler, uh, Fiat Chrysler automotive subsidiary. Um, the company provides automation systems for factories and will initially support arrival in their micro factory layouts. Now, 
As we discuss about developing those resources, uh, understanding the customer landscape and partnership, now we have to dive in and figure out how is the company going to actually deploy their strategic resources? What growth strategies do they have in place? And are there any potential acquisitions? So the company intends to deploy its resources through their following business model. So their deployment timeline here. So Rival has two, fact, two micro factories. In South Carolina, the bus factory will begin operations in Q2 of 2021 and production in Q2 of 2022. And uh, by Chester, UK, the van factory will begin operations in Q1 of 2022 and production in Q3 of 2022. So... Uh, I additionally, the composite material lab has been set up and the pilot line being installed to meet production schedule. So that gives you an idea of the timeline that they are required to build some of the most important components to make sure that they successfully execute their plan. From a business model and growth strategy perspective, you know, rival plans to use direct sales model to target large fleet owners for their vans and buses. So currently the company has not generated any revenue and has only produced prototypes for select customers. Beyond its deployment timeline, the company has initiated the following projections regarding its product portfolio. So they're expected in 2024 to have about $14.1 billion in revenue. Their EBITDA less capex will be around $1.4 billion, which is around a 10% margin. So 2024 also, the revenue distribution is going to be as follows. So their vans will be about 66%, bus will be around 22%, and their small vehicles will compose around 12%. So that gives you their product portfolio there. And then in terms of volume, of course, they're expected to sell about 168,000 vans, uh, medium size and a large size, uh, about 11,000 buses, and about 79,000 small vehicles by 2024. And to give you a perspective in terms of margins here, what we're dealing with, the bus is estimated to be around 38%, large vans about 34%, the normal size vans about 21%, and then a small vehicle platform around 18%. And the company believes its growth can be fueled by three additional key strategies here. So first, the most important one, 31 micro factories are expected to be built by 2024. That's a staggering number. But again, the fact that it takes six months to build these and the fact that they can be deployed in any existing warehouse with not without the heavy capital uh, expense required from traditional factories or gigafactories or megafactories, however we want to classify them, um, this doesn't seem like an unrealistic number. Then we were talking about the modular skateboard platform, which will allow customization and the ability to quickly scale into new vehicle segments. So Arrival plans to launch a small vehicle platform from 2023, composing about 12% of its future revenue there. So it's important here that you know they can uh, jump into new vehicle segments if necessary. They have the technology and the platform, and they're doing so with the small vehicle platform. On top of that, Arrival's vehicles have all the capabilities for autonomous driving. So we've all been hinting at Tesla and their autonomous taxi network. Well, Arrival already has that technology built into their vehicles as well. So if necessary, fleets need to become autonomous. They will be ready to make that transition. No additional hardware or additional new vehicles required to be built. The software is put in place. And then finally, we have the emission credits, which are going to be issued by governments to accelerate zero emission targets. So these credits can be sold to other traditional manufacturing companies in the space and also can be a potential stream of revenue, specifically since uh, Arrival will already be an EV company producing EV products. And in terms of strategic acquisitions here, 
So we have CIIG. So this is a SPAC merger led by uh, Peter Kono, uh, who is former CEO of Marvel Entertainment, resulting in Rivals' total enterprise valuation of $5.4 billion. Uh, additional past acquisitions have been TRA Robotics for $1.8 million in 2018. And I'm assuming this involves their autonomous robots within the micro factories. And Roborace Limited for 61.1 million euros in 2019. So this is uh, that's particular strategic asset there, the Robocar autonomous technology that was acquired. Now, we understand the company's strategic resources. We understand how they're going to deploy them and how they're going to potentially produce revenue. So what are the company's key strategic moats and critical risks? So from a strategic moat perspective, the first and foremost is a micro factory production deployment. So this involves scale. Arrival is deploying the only micro factory concept in the production of EVs. The platform contains in-house produced software, autonomous robots, and critical plug and play components. So the micro factory achieves superior cost savings, smaller footprint, decentralized scalability, and rapid manufacturing. Again, one of their most important components to make their business plan successful. Now the production composition technology. So this is a second mode here. So this is the technology specifically. Arrival's core products contain 40 to 70% in-house IP that delivers superior products to the market. So we're talking about the propriety composite materials, plug and play components, dynamic skateboard modular, and the in-vehicle software contribute to the competitive unit economics, scalable designs, optimized energy efficiency, maximum performance, and low maintenance cost of its vehicles. The third component here is total cost of ownership, so unit profitability. So the technology and the state-of-art manufacturing platform provide significant savings for customers. The savings span across the actual purchase of the vehicle, infrastructure costs, and the maintenance costs. Across all three components, Arrival can achieve double-digit cost savings relative to traditional fossil fuel vans and buses. Additionally, the strategic resources the company deploys creates profitability at low production volumes. And finally, tier one management. So the company is led by the original founder who privately funded the operations initially with $26 million. The company's workforce is composed of talented engineers across a variety of specialties ranging from material composition, software, mechanical robotics, and design. Now, while we understand, hey, the four key pillars here for their for their moats, what risks does this company also uh, present from a competition perspective? So the company faces competition from traditional OEMs and two comparable EV companies in the space. And all EV companies, even the ones that have partnered with OEMs, face that same risk. So from traditional OEMs, majority of the fossil fuel van market is controlled by Ford, GM, and, and Fiat Chrysler. These companies have a massive footprint in terms of scale and have plans to introduce EV product lines. So to assume that these companies, these large monsters here, the behemoths that have been around for, for over a century, will just sit back and watch EV companies to take their market share, I, I, would, I would caution that. Um, their partnerships also are a way of uh, trying to understand the technologies they have, so they will certainly take advantage. But... It's about who comes first in the market with these. And secondly, here are the EV companies. So looking into the EV space, the two companies that I think are actually comparable to Arrival uh, are Rivian and Proterra. 
They're the company's key competitors in terms of talent and product line. So Rivian is a private van slash truck company uh, that is uh, hand in hand with Arrival when it comes to engineering talent, IP technology filings, uh, and, and the ones that have been granted, and critical partnerships. Amazon specifically will launch 10,000 Rivian vans in 16 cities this year. On the other hand, we're talking about Proterra, which is also another key player regarding buses. Now, unlike any other uh, other EV companies, uh, the company already has deployed and sold 1,000 EV buses. So those are your two competitors to watch out for. Now, from a customer concentration perspective, so rival partnership with UPS is the only source of projected revenue currently. Termination of the 10,000 vehicles will eliminate the 1.2 billion order backlog. So, of course, they're heavily dependent on UPS here, as are other uh, partnerships and EV companies that have arisen. Um, so this relationship is very key and can also be a potential risk. On the third element here is the construction of the microfactory production model. So the foundation of manufacturing, deploying, and servicing electric vehicles is strictly dependent on the microfactory concept. If this model fails, implementation execution within the proposed cost structures, uh, then the company will be at high risk. So the ultimate success of this company is dependent on this microfactory concept that does not exist anywhere else. So this could be a potential risk if things don't fall in line as planned. And finally, supply chain dependence. So the battery is one of the most critical and expensive components for all EVs. Currently, Arrival is dependent on LG Chem Limited for the supply. So while the partnership is healthy, um, again, uh, having dependence, especially on some one of the most critical components and uh, also an expensive component, uh, does provide some risk. But that is Arrival and all the other EV companies that do not produce in-house uh, batteries for their products. So now we'll shift to, I think, one of the most important sections here, which is team DNA and vision. So the leadership team is composed of ex-founders with unicorn companies on their resume, world-renowned experts, and a talent uh, from large OEMs and EV companies such as Tesla. Overall, Arrival has dedicated uh, team focused on research and development. As of December 1, 2020, the company had 1,456 employees with 500 software engineers and 500 mechanical engineers ensuring a one-to-one -one ratio. 85% of the workforce is dedicated to research and development, which is a very important part. I love to see high-tech companies that have a substantial workforce related to their R&D because that will ultimately define its future revenues. So from a key leadership perspective, so we have Dennis Sverdlov, uh, who's a founder and CEO, previous founder of $1.5 billion company and a superior experience in managing distributed organizations. Uh, we have Avinash Raghavar, who's a president. Prior, he's led the strategy to acquire Cruise, which is a $1 billion acquisition for GM to compete in the AV industry. We, ha we have Mike Abelson. He's a CEO uh, automotive. Uh, prior, he's had various leadership positions in GM, ranging from vehicle deployment, uh, development, engineering, and innovation. And then we have Tim Halbro, who's a CFO. Uh, prior to that, he has strong finance leadership that led to a $900 million uh, startup uh, sale to Nokia. Um, and then the CFO uh, experience also in fintech and digital product consulting. 
And then we have Rob Thompson, uh, he's lead for materials. Um, he's also a very critical, important uh, leader here as well. He's a global materials expert with seven books in manufacturing technology and experience in LG Electronics, Panasonic, and Nokia. Uh, and then we also have Sergey Solgin, he, CEO of Solutions. Prior to that, he was the founder of IT outsourcing provider that grew to 6,000 engineers, and he has 20 years of IT experience. And finally, Alex uh, Kozyryev. Uh, he's CEO of Mobility. Before that, he launched one of Russia's first internet banks and experience with machine learning and AI platforms. So again, you can see here that their leadership team is well experienced as and has uh, the ability to build and start and deliver uh, a company uh, in the market. So from a vision perspective, uh, I personally had the privilege to actually interview rival CFO Tim Halbro uh, to discuss the company's vision and the key growth platform that positions Arrival to become a leader in the commercial EV space. So Tim Halbro summarized Arrival's position relative to their EV peers, emphasizing this disruptive play. A key differential about Arrival is that it's not just about building an electric van or bus, but more specifically reinventing the automotive industry from the beginning to the end of the process. So the company is a technology company that will utilize its microfactory platform to disrupt manufacturing and deliver exceptional products. So I think that was an important insight from him just to understand that, hey, we're not, this company is not just an EV company producing vans and buses. They're here to transform automotive manufacturing in the industry. On top of that, uh, microfactories here, we, we had a pretty in-depth conversation about them, are cheaper than traditional mega factories, can be installed in existing warehouses across cities, and take up to six months to launch and begin production. As a result, Arrival will harness the demand of local communities to quickly supply the products at, at the most efficient level. So this platform ensures cost savings, relevant product demand, and economically the best predetermined uh, pipelines for production. Ultimately, Tim highlighted that in the complexity of the technology inputs, Arrival has achieved a level of simplicity from design to manufacturing. They are positioned to disrupt traditional methods in the automobile industry and deliver exceptional results. So this is an important concept here, especially with my previous experiences in dealing with technology in, um, in the corporate uh, finance environment. Uh, and we had a phrase called simple, simple, simple. So it's important to take something that's very complex, in this case, producing an EV product, uh, such as a van or bus, and simplifying it in such a way that ultimately optimizes your processes uh, from beginning to end of that production uh, platform. And the microfactory has done that. And I think it's just an interesting concept to, to embrace. And finally, guys, the one thing that I think is very important for all of you is, okay, you've understood the company now. We, we've, we've taken it apart uh, with the best of our knowledge and the best of our resources, and also with my ability of interviewing the CFO of Arrival. So what are the key insights here for you guys just to remember and hone in? If you forgot everything else, what should you remember here? First and foremost, demand for vans and buses is, is expected to rise substantially due to the rise of e-commerce and government climate change policies. Arrival is positioned to deliver products that minimize the total cost of ownership with superior technology that is proven and tested. So that just shows you the demand is there and it's not going away. And it's actually somewhat guaranteed. 
Micro factories here are the company's most critical asset to ensure flexible, scalable, and local production of their commercial electric vehicles. The factories are 50% cheaper from a capex and opex relative to traditional factories and can be installed in existing spaces in local communities in under six months. And more specifically here, uh, the CEO uh, was actually quoted by Forbes saying that you can build vehicles in New York with the unit economics of China. So remember, this is important here. This is the, this is the, the gold the, the, uh, that will essentially define uh, a rival success. Microfactories. You can go anywhere within any city, no matter its density, plug into a warehouse, input the technologies that uh, Arrival has patent, and in under six months, you'll be able to produce vehicles in close proximity to your customers. I, I want you to step back, reflect on that, because the manufacturing process, especially for traditional automobile companies, is very complex, very capital intensive, and timely. So that, that just set, sets them apart, I believe. And ultimately here, a couple of other points. They've partnered with UPS from the beginning, securing 10,000 vans and $1.2 billion order backlog. And actually, uh, Luke Wake, UPS's International Director of Automotive Engineering and Advanced Technology, he's been quoted uh, saying this, there are a lot of uh, startups with EV ideas. Unfortunately, we've not seen a lot of them materialize in terms of product that come to market. What helps set Arrival apart is the way that they were well-funded to actually turn some of these ideas and visions into a reality. So I think that just speaks uh, levels, especially if you have one of your most important uh, customers here, uh, understanding the benefit and value that, uh, that Arrival is delivering for them. And finally, the company has about 1,400 employees with 85% uh, focus on research and development. They have secured talents across 1,000 engineers and have built a leadership team with top tier talent in their respective fields. So this is an important concept here because if you... You know, if you look at some of these EV companies, and if you guys recall my last breakdown of the EVs, um, you know, having a large team, and especially a team that's focused uh, and built with a significant amount of engineers, I mean, my the betting odds are are in your favor. I'd rather bet on a company that has a well developed team, which means they've they've accumulated strong talent, and and they're focused on R and D than a story uh, company that has 200 to 300 employees and doesn't have the ability to do that. I mean, ultimately, the company with the largest resources will be first in market with a premium product. So I want you guys to reflect on that and really understand that. And especially as you're looking at other EV companies, use that barometer as, as an understanding and as a way to measure uh, potential success in the future. And it's important here to also figure out, okay, this is this all sounds wonderful. We understand that there's also some potential risks, but let's look at who's coughing up some dollars to actually support this company. So from an investor lineup perspective, $1.2 billion investment and signed purchase agreement with UPS in 2020. So not only is UPS a customer, but they're also an investor. On top of that, 150 million euros have been led by BlackRock in November 2020. 100 billion euros investment by Hyundai Motor Company and Kia Motors Corporation in Q4 of 2019. And of course, the post-SPAC merger with CIIG, which this is a very important part, 88% of the ownership will remain with existing arrival shareholders. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this breakdown. Many more uh, companies within the EV space are to come. 
And I want you to be equipped with the most important information and, and also walk out with a way of measuring that information with other companies you also do personal research on. So this gives you that perspective. So as always, if you like the content, please make sure to share this newsletter, share this post, follow me on Twitter and or subscribe if you have not already. And if you always have some spare time and want to dive in personally yourself to more additional resources that I use, uh, you'll find them below. Thank you always for the support and on to the next.